Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Double Feature. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. Uh, and this is where we talk about, you know, double to Kevins, double to Smiths. And we weren't even supposed to be recording today. We weren't. Why Why not? <laughs> why not? That The classic clerk's line, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Oh, 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 you already hit me up with some... <laughs> cinematic lore and quotes and all that yeah man we uh this is um this might be the first of many uh we're, we're gonna go more conservative this time you know the last nicholas cage episode we kind of just went at everything because it was uh it was required we, we bounced it, all over the place it, it was required it was because it was a nick cage type of episode it was all over the place it was required but uh today we're talking about kevin smith we got clerks versus mall rats uh, we got the uh, the first film versus the sophomore slump, I want to say. I, we'll yeah, get into it. a little it. bit. We'll get into it. Uh, so first off, man, is there anything you want to say about Kevin Smith? I know you love this guy. I love him, too. Oh, I've been a huge fan of Kevin Smith. Uh, the first movie that I actually saw by him was Dogma, and mm. I instantly loved it. And I went back and watched his back catalog of movies. After that, which was Clerks and Mall Rats and Chasing Amy at the time. You know, with me, it was a uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and that was because I snuck and watched that. Oh, that was the first one you saw. For- yeah, my, okay. my, my mom rented that film, and she thought it was gonna be like you know, like a comedy she would like. So this is trash. And you know, I remember I snuck and watched it. And my mom got mad at my dad for uh, for letting me get away with sneaking and watch it. Like mm-hmm. it's babies cursing within the first five seconds. You let them watch that movie. <laughs> you know when they're babies and they're oh, cursing. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, th- that entire thing. I want to say that the one that was playing Baby J was uh, Kevin Smith's daughter at the time, Harley. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. He puts her in a lot of his work recently. Yeah, that was the... Well, she's only been in two other movies of his. Yoga uh, Hosers. Yoga, yeah, Yoga Hosers, which was very... Fo- oh, she did show up in Tusk, I think. Yeah, I think I think those two characters, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter, uh, they were like... I think that was a... I think Tusk, I think Yoga Hosers was a spinoff of Tusk. I never saw either yeah. of them. Well, it was going to be a trilogy. It was going to be Tusk, yeah. Yoga Hosers, and then the last one was going to be called Moose Jaws, which was going to be the movie Jaws, but with a moose. Why'd he stop? I mean, you know, it seemed like he had a good thing going, making movies off of podcast ideas. I don't... I think he's still trying to make that one. Okay. But after his, like, whole heart attack thing, he was like, okay, I, I got all my friends together again. I'm going to start making... Uh, what was it? Jay and Silent Bob reboot, mm-hmm. and he finally got uh, Jason Anderson to come back for Clerks. So okay. he's gonna do Clerks three now, and also a Mallrat sequel. Hey man, let me tell you something, man. The Viewisk universe. I mean, this is like one of the most nerdy, most satisfying things to come out of contemporary independent film. Like oh, yeah. I think I think he's one of the first people to do that on the independent '90s film scene. 
Well, the he was him and Tarantino, first, but yeah, yeah, he was the first to kind of like do it in terms of movies and everything like that. Right. But he actually got the idea from like Marvel comics. He always okay. loved that you know crossovers would come from different comics and everything. Like when uh, Batman would show up in a Superman comic and everything like that, he'd be all giddy for it. Or when you know Spider Man teams up with the Fantastic Four. And so he kind of wanted to bring that to his movies where, like, his movies were self-referential to each other in that kind of way. That's great, man. Like, I feel like that's what sets him apart from the pack. Like, you, you, oh, yeah. you, like, you look at the Spike Lees, you look at the Tarantinos, and they kind of got the same in-house universe, but it's not as blatant and as um, detailed and, and doesn't flow as well as Kevin Smith does in the early 90s. Well, especially because of... Uh him playing Silent Bob and Jay then and Silent Bob, yeah. You had Muse as uh, Jay, right? And so you always had them kind of showing up in every single movie. Mm-hmm. They were the connecting line in all the movies that he made up to Clerks Two. Yeah. The only one that they don't show up in that he did around that time was Jersey Girl. Mm, that's right. Jersey Girl's a good one. Yeah, we got we got to do multiple episodes of Kevin Smith. But oh, let's, yeah. I wish we had a bell. Uh, let's start it off with, you know, the myth, the legend, the instant cult classic. <clears throat> uh, Tusk. No, 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 no. <laughs> clerks, clerks, clerks. Yeah, man. This, this movie was great, man. I remember I first saw this when I was younger, and I tried to explore Kevin Smith after my, um, my one time uh, meeting him or meet, my one time watching him with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. When I got at an older age, I saw Clerks come on on Showtime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is black and white. This is going to be trash. But I decided to give it a shot. And, you know, uh, 20 minutes in, I was hooked. Oh, yeah. Well, even the fact that it is black and white, mm-hmm. like looking back at it now, I kind of like the fact that it's black and yeah, white. You like it, makes it now. It more indie feeling than even like Clerks 2, which is still indie kind of film. But. I mean, it has more stars in it, but it's mostly the same people that Kevin Smith knew and they just right. became big names after the fact. And it was just, it holds like a special place because it's in black and white that you go, it feels more indie this way. It feels more somebody grabbed a camcorder and just started recording these people at their jobs. It's not so much scripted at all. I mean, from the, from the moment... The film begins, like, not not from when it first begins, but when we start to see the scenes in the convenience store and the interactions and all that, man, I just, I really just fell in love with Randall. Because everybody has a Randall type of friend oh, in yeah. their life, and you, you could connect to a character like that. And everybody has a little bit of, what's the main character's name again? Dante. Everyone has a little bit of Dante in them, you know, a little bit of indecisiveness, like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this thing, you know? I don't know if I want to deal. Yeah. He's such he's such a slacker, but you know he has potential. Well, he literally just complains about everything in the store. Right. And then uh, every joke in that movie is like, if you've ever worked like a retail job, you, you understand Dante's like struggle. Of every course. Every single part that he goes through. Of course. Like, it's... You know, there's so many things he complains about in his life, but and here's here's the thing I love about Kevin Smith's movies. There's always like a little um, a little moral lesson, like don't be a menace message that Silent Bob always gives. Or there's just oh yeah, you know, like this dude kept complaining about his girlfriend, and I think she she had been snowballed or something, you know, like a vulgar term or something she had did once upon a time. He felt some type of way, and Silent Bob was like, damn dude, I wish my girlfriend bought me spaghetti to lunch. 
And yeah. like the one moment he talks, he's like, wait a minute, that fool just made sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the best part of all the Kevin Smith movies, especially right. in like Clerks and then uh, Mallrats is Silent Bob. Kevin Smith gives himself like the overarching like, uh, what is it, meaning of the movie in vocal form. It's kind of like Tyler Perry. He always casts himself as the good man in his yeah. romantic films. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just I just drew that comparison. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, so, what do you what do you love about these characters, man? You know, Dante, Randall. Um, the biggest thing is they're just relatable. Definitely. Uh, I remember working retail at uh, Office Max for a year and a half or so, and. Every single like point that they did, it it kind of has the same appeal as uh, Office Space, mm. where it feels like somebody just literally followed a dude around with a camera, didn't tell them that they were being filmed, and that was the movie. That's the rawness of it, really. That's the rawness of Clerks. You know, amidst all the comedy, there's a relatability to this. Um, mm. Like think- even the comedy is like real dialogue it's yeah. not like oh we're gonna put this in for a joke it's no i could see me and a buddy or a co-worker actually having that kind of conversation definitely you know there's full-on um i think when you break this film down it's it's a great comedy but it's very fucking dark oh yeah like there's 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 truly dark moments that you you don't want to laugh but you kind of laugh like there's the one infamous moment where um I don't know if it was Dante's side chick, but it was a girl that liked Dante. She went in the bathroom and she had sex with someone in the bathroom and thought it was Dante, but it was an old man. Oh, something like that. And the old man was dead, right? Or I want to say at the end of it, he was dead at the very least. Right. She got she got put in a mental hospital and she's she's referred to late in later uh, films. Like there's a darkness to that, but that's oh, yeah. a is a dark comedy to that. Like I, that's what I love about Kevin Smith's writing. Well, do you remember the original ending for Clerks? Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, somebody shoots Dante. Right? He gets yeah, robbed. Yeah, somebody comes in and robs the store, and then they shoot Dante. And the end shot was going to be Dante like lying dead on the counter, mm. and then like uh, fade to black and everything. Yeah. It's like even the movie was originally going to end with a really dark ending, and I'm glad he changed that. Obviously. Yeah, I think Harvey Weinstein told him like, "Yeah, that's a little, that's a little too dark." Like, yeah. You know, you got a dark comedy here, but don't end on a dark note. That's a um, that's the interesting parallel to um, I don't know if you're a hip hop fan, are you? Uh, not too much. Okay. Well, Notorious B.I.G. I don't know if you know who that is. Of course, oh, you, yeah. of course you know who it is. I, I might not be big into hip-hop, but I know Tupac, Notorious B.I.G. I know. I'm know. messing with you. Yeah. Um, there's a song he has. It's called um, it's called N-Words Bleed, and it's a story he's telling um, Scorsese-style about a, um, a robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, the whole the whole song is dark is and intense and violent, but it's great storytelling. And, um, you know, Biggie was originally supposed to end the song on a dark note. And Diddy said, hey, just end with a joke, like end, end the song off with a joke. And, you know, because the whole song is dark, but we still want to leave people off with a smile. And uh, he ends it, you know, one of the most, you know, best lines in hip hop ever. So it's like. Harvey Weinstein kind of told Kevin Smith, hey, you got this whole thing that's really dark here, but ending on a light note so you at least end with a smile. Because I think it ends with uh, Dante smiles or something, right? Randall pushes him and he smiles and he closes the shop up. Something like that, yeah. And he's locking up the shop and everything and Randall's kind of just sitting there waiting for uh, 
him to close up because he already locked up the video store. Yeah. What a day, huh? Yeah. It. Well, I think still one of my uh, favorite scenes from it. It's like an oddball scene in the movie, but the whole like hockey game on the roof of the store. Yeah. I, just because it shows that it, they aren't just co-workers. They actually do have a friendship outside of work and everything like that. Oh, like, what about the funeral? Oh, I forgot about that scene. Yeah, the hockey scene. I I, I know which scene you're talking about. Um, but the funeral, dude. Like, and again, I think when Kevin Smith wrote comics, it was kind of like showing what really happened. They went to the funeral for somebody, and at the end, they're they're running out because something happened. I think Randall did something. Yeah, I. I'm sure I it was. Vaguely Randall. remember the funeral stuff of the movie. But yeah, I I can honestly say I never read the comic for Clerks at all. I know it's out there, I know it exists, but I just never read it. Mm. But I do remember them doing the spin-off for the animated series which completely just bombed on TV. It did bomb. When you watch it, when I watched it on Adult Swim, um it resonated with me, you know, cuz I just yeah. I just got done watching Clerks 1 and 2 around that time like um for like the third time or whatever and I was like, "Okay, you got to be a fan of movie to understand the jokes being told in this show. Well, it didn't help that the first episode shown uh, when it premiered was like the third episode in the series or the second episode, I think. Oh, yeah, that's, that's... And the whole joke of the second episode is it was like a clip show of everything that happened in the first episode of them remembering back to it. <laughs> so nobody got that joke right, of right. them like remembering back to the first episode because the first episode hadn't shown yet. That's that Andy Kaufman-esque type of uh, comedy, man. You oh, know, yeah. You either got to be all in or all out. It's... It's ahead of its time. What was that, like late, like early 2000s when that when that animated show came out? Uh, I want to say it was around the same time as Clerks 2. So, yeah, around 2006-ish, I want to say. I could okay. be wrong on that one. I It could be that I just saw it around that time, but... That is where I remember it being. So J and S B, the dance off. That scene makes me laugh every oh, time, yeah. dude. There's so much about the movie that just every scene kind of just resonates in some way. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that you could clip apart into different segments and just watch them individually and still get enjoyment out of those scenes. Like, I think everybody wants to be a Randall and wants to be a little a little like anarchic but you you gotta tap into your dante to get through life oh yeah it's like after the nine to five you can you can tap into your randall but during the nine to five you gotta be a dante well the other thing is randall just finds enjoyment out of anything like yeah he's lazy and stuff but he'll find a way to joke about something he'll find a way to enjoy what he's doing and yeah you had to have that in your life but you also had to have the like motivation to actually do stuff at work too instead of just you know uh, shouldn't you be at the video store? Ah, nobody rents videos anymore. You know, it just you can't have that kind of attitude about everything. But you got to be able to find fun in what you do. <laughs> so ironic, because now nobody really went rents videos anymore. Yeah, I mean, old people do. Let's be let's be real. If I recall correctly, I think somebody actually bought that video store and is trying to reopen it now. The Clerks Video Store. Yeah, the original Clerks Video Store. Oh, I know there's one blockbuster left in the world. 
Um, I forgot where it is. Are we but. down to one now? I know that we used to have two in Alaska, and then there were like three in Texas. You know, man, sometimes, I, I, I'm not sure, but sometimes I walk into a family video just to look around and smile where I came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, like one time I was talking to a guy, and he was like, hey, do you want to rent anything? I was like, no, I'm just here for nostalgic reasons. He's like, oh, okay. You know, if you ever want to pay my paycheck, you know, pick up a movie to rent. <laughs> what was the the one up in like Macomb that was pretty popular was like Mammoth Video. I think so. I don't I don't remember. Yeah, that's the one that I remember going to a couple times. And then there was oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it, it I'm thinking Media Play. But I know that was more like the Circuit City store. I miss Circuit City. They I had Cir- they had yeah. great deals on film, dude. I remember when they had the deal where if you uh, they didn't have something in stock on release day, like a movie or a game, you would get like a $5 gift card. Oh, wow. Uh, and I remember always like calling up the local one and being like, hey, do you guys have this in stock? And just waiting for them to go, no, I'm sorry, we don't have it. And then I'd rush to it and just grab a $5 gift card for them mm. not having it. That could work for when they do have it. Oh, man, that was a great deal. Oh, yeah. I, I remember doing that a couple times, and that would always give me, like, $5 off a movie or a game or whatever if they didn't have it in stock by, like, noon on the day of release. Yeah. And it was always perfect because I could always go in, like, right uh, after school and stuff like that. And That was one of the rare places where I could actually find Child's Play 2 on DVD. Oh, yeah. Because nobody... They had, like, they had like these, these cult films, these cult universal picture films on DVD. But um, all right, we gonna bring it back. We gotta bring it back. You can tell we're we're, we're old school millennials. Oh yeah, we're bringing up a lot of things you knew. Uh, what do you call these kids? The Z generations. I don't know. Uh, no, I there was one name that I heard. It was like uh, the iPad generation or the i generation. Probably so. Yeah. Um, y'all probably don't know nothing about renting videos. Um, but uh, hey, I, I said what I need to say about clerks. You are you good? Uh it. it Besides the fact that it's, like, one of those things that, like, motivated me to get more into, like, classic film and everything like that. Yeah. Because it was one of those first movies that uh, I kind of saw that made me think, okay, there's a little bit more to, like, these older movies that I didn't really think of. Because that one came out in, what year did it come out? It was 80-something, right? Um, Clerks? Yeah, the original Clerks. Uh, 1994. 94. Okay. So, yeah, 90s. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Smith was a 90s baby in direct right. in director years. So yeah, it was one of those films that kind of made me look back and go, okay, there's a lot that I gotta look back on older movies and kind of rewatch and everything like that. There might be something to all these cult classics everybody talks about. I appreciate the black and white aesthetic. Oh, you yeah. know, I appreciated that because you know, growing up, I've always I always snuck and watched Pulp Fiction, but I loved it because it was it was a movie I wasn't supposed to watch, you know. I loved it because of the you know say what one more motherfucking time, you know. Like I I loved the whole intensity of it. But as I got older, I appreciate the storytelling, the dialogue, the flow of the story, the non-linearness of it. You know, it, when I was younger, it was a puzzle I was trying to figure out. Like okay, this scene happened before this scene, this scene happened before that scene. So around that time, I started to appreciate Clerks for his black and white aesthetic and what Kevin Smith was going for as far as 
independent film. And, you know, there's so many heroes from that era we got to talk about. Jim Jarmusch, Richard Linklater. We got to talk about a lot of people for future episodes. Oh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to have director versus director kind of thing where we look at their early work and then later work and everything. Kevin Smith is one of those few that's like his work just takes up and down in terms of like critical appraise that it makes it easy to go. First movie, critically loved. Second movie, Mall Rats, not so critically loved, that's but the very like fan appreciated. Oh yeah, and then we gonna get into that. So that's the transition, folks. Um, this next film starts about to get deep, man. Starts <laughs> start, uh, some the the claim is starting to come down a little bit, but we go we gonna talk about Mall Rats, man. Oh yeah. So let's 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 get the good out the way, because I do have some stuff that I love about this movie. I love that it all takes place in a mall, you know, within one day, correct? Yeah, the whole movie takes place over the course of one day. It starts off with the main characters waking up at home, and then within like ten minutes, it transitions to the mall, and that's where it is for the rest of the movie. Is it stays in the mall? Okay, you know the chemistry here in this cast is not bad. You know, you got Jason Lee, you got uh, you got Jeremy London, Joey Lauren Adams. Oh man, I love her. She ain't been around lately. Um, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, Clara Fellini, Shannon Doherty. You know, you got Michael Rooker in his first creepy role. I don't think this was the first creepy role, but you know, this is one of the roles we know him for to be creepy in. Yeah, because he was a security guard for the mall, right? No, no, he was ho- he was old girl's father, the girlfriend's oh, father. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing something at the mall, like promotion wise or something, wasn't he? He was, he was. He yeah. he, he was like a he was like a top guy. Um, so this film, you know, it, it, look, it, it has its comedic moments. It, it definitely does. You got Stan Lee, you know, who has a great warm oh, first moment. First movie appearance of Stan Lee. There you go. And um, do you have background on how Kevin Smith got that? Uh, Kevin Smith was just a huge Stan Lee fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond how he managed to get Stan Lee, I don't think they really knew each other prior to the movie, but Kevin Smith kind of went, hey, do you want to be in a movie? And Stan Lee was like, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, I don't think there was anything more to it than that, but there might be. You know, um, the film is very ambitious. I like that it's set all set in the mall. You know, there's recurring jokes throughout the film, like the baby on the elevator, the escalator. Yes. Like there's recurring jokes throughout the film that that's that's pretty cool and pretty funny. Homeboy staring at the abstract painting, which I both love and hate. Um, funny thing about that one, that one's Ethan Suppley. That's Ethan Suppley, yeah, yeah, who is ripped now. By the oh, way, oh he is. I saw him yeah. on the news. He's a he's a, he's macho man now. Yeah. But uh, for that picture, it's not actually one of those, like, uh, stare at it long enough and you'll see something Of course something not. Else. Uh, because Kevin Smith never thought that the movie would be on a high enough resolution that people would be able to tell that it wasn't actually one of those pictures. Right. Or else he <laughs> would have used an actual picture in the movie that had that kind of effect. I, I didn't think it really was any of those. I thought it was just a good joke for the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, but overall, man, it's an ambitious sophomore feature. It, it it's it's celebrated by fans, but there's a whole lot of other stuff we got to get through. Oh yeah, uh, where, where, where do you what 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 good do you want to give it before we get to the nitty gritty here? Uh, good, obviously, I love the dialogue in it. The relationship okay. between the two main characters is great. Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, uh, it's. It's another Randall and Dante kind of. It, it basically is. Except Ron, Randall is the main character, kind of. A little bit, yeah. Because yeah. you're kind of following uh, 
because the whole thing revolves around, you know, Buddy trying to cheer up uh, his friend because girlfriend and everything like that and relationship issues and going on. And they're just kind of going, well, let's just go to the mall and hang out. And just all this craziness happens around them. But the main central focus is still his relationship with uh, the one girl. I can't remember what her name was in the movie. I can look it up. Uh, Renee. Renee, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was always like a behind-the-scenes kind of focus of the movie. And then they just kept throwing new stuff at you constantly. So it has like an underlying plot, kind of slightly under the plot of, hey, it's people hanging out in a mall. And then just everything going on. Uh, the Jay and Silent Bob uh, side story in it, I absolutely love. I'll laugh at that side story the entire time with uh, Bob putting on like the Batman costume and every or Kevin Smith putting on the Batman costume and everything. Snoogans. Snoogans. That should be the name of this episode, Snoogans Part 1. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. All right, we'll call it that. Okay. Uh, Batman costume. I do. I do remember that. I vaguely remember that side story. Yeah, it, it was. That's probably one of the like parts that I'll always remember about the movie is the side story with uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Because I remember them just popping into the movie, and the first time that they showed up, I was like, "Oh, hey, those are the guys from Dogma and Clerks." <laughs> and it finally clicks with me. Oh, these right, guys are right. going to just show up in all his movies, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, and this was before I realized that Kevin Smith was playing Silent Bob too. Like it never clicked with yeah, me that because uh, I'd never seen a picture of Kevin Smith. I just knew his right. name on the movies. Were you like me? Did you know directors and names and stuff like that and memorize that? Because I, I had a weird thing with memorizing that growing up. Yeah, but I couldn't have put a face to it. Like I could have probably mm. like while going, man, I love all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I could have said that sitting right next to him and not realize I was next to him. So it wasn't until like probably 2010s or something that I started actually putting faces to right. directors' names. Prior to that, directors' names, I would see it on a poster and go, I'm going to see that because I know that director. Right. Uh, Edgar Wright was probably the first director that I actually like put a face to a name and went, I think I could actually recognize him in person if I like ran into him as mm. a director. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's get into some shit. What's the first thing you don't... Listen, man, first thing I don't like about this movie... Uh, first thing I like is setting them all, all throughout the whole movie. First thing I don't like is setting them all throughout the whole movie. <laughs> they, like, I just... I, I kind of like those movies that take like a single place and the entire movie takes place in them. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, I wanted them to travel. Well, when it takes place in like a single environment and they use the environment well enough... Yeah. It works out. Uh, what was the Ryan Reynolds movie where he's in a casket the entire time and the entire buried? Buried. Yeah, we're talking about a tense thriller compared to a right. a comedy. But <laughs> that's like uh, using your environment. That I got movie you. Is very like thrilling to watch, and the entire time it's just like a close up of Ryan Reynolds' face talking into the camera. I'm, I'm not against yeah. it. I just feel like uh, I can't agree with you on this one. I wanted them to travel. I get it, mall rats. It's okay if they ever if they came back to the mall once in a while throughout the movie, but I don't know. Well, where else did you want them to kind of go to? Like, what would be? I want them to go to that funeral and tell me what Ryan, what Randall did at that funeral in Clerks. 
Oh. <laughs> and then we come back to the mall. That's what I wanted to see. No, I mean, I, I appreciate it, but I just, I don't know. There's something about it like, uh, uh. The filmmaker in me is like, okay, this is the cheap route to go, I guess. But I, I don't know. I wanted to see a little bit more. Oh, yeah. This was still an extremely low-budget movie. Uh, if I recall, it did not do well in theaters at all either. I don't even think it made a, its budget back in theaters. I don't like the main character. I don't like Brody. Like, you didn't like Brody? I don't like Brody. I like Jason Lee, but I don't like Brody. Brody is just, he's just, he's just kind of a, a lazy dick. Yeah. You know, I I didn't I didn't want redemption for him. I didn't really want him to get the girl in the end. I felt like she had a right to not like him. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it wasn't like a uh oh no, the the hero is like has to get the girl. No, you're kind of looking at this and going, this is a very dysfunctional relationship that uh, is going on here. Yeah. Like, you kind of understand uh, Michael Rooker's character a little bit and going, yeah, I don't want you dating him. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into over-the-topness here. Uh, what Was was it the, the shit chocolates or the shit brownies? Uh, pretzels. Chocolate-covered pretzels. The shit pretzels. Yes. Come on, man. You gonna, you gonna eat that stuff and not know what that is? Yeah. Oh, this tastes good. This mm-hmm. is delicious. Or no, those. it wasn't shit-covered pretzels. It was he uh, went to the bathroom and then didn't wash his hands and then like just rummaged his hands through the pretzels. Oh, oh, I thought that I thought so, it was shit-covered. No, it wasn't shit-covered. It was he basically just went to the bathroom, didn't wash his hands, and then just rummaged his hands through the pretzels. So they were kind of like infected. So he would like get sick from them, but he wouldn't be able to tell. Wait a minute, man. I, I, I specifically remember him covering those pretzels and shit. I, not, 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 we didn't see it. Right. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Like, it's been a little bit since I've seen the movie, but I believe that's what it was. And Okay, this is a learning moment. Next, next, next episode we do, we're going to recap the movies first and then <laughs> do that. We're going to watch the movies first and then do the episode. But, uh, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Because I... I don't remember him saying it was shit because I feel like that would have been like a huge thing of him not recognizing that it was actually shit and not chocolate. You know? <laughs> Did you find it? No, no, no. I'm just laughing that we talking about this in length. Oh yeah. Like was it shit? Or was was it shit? <laughs> Welcome to Double Feature. <laughs> Uh, we analyze poop jokes to the extreme. Right, right. I don't remember, man. I'm I'm gonna call it audible. I don't remember. Um the Ben Affleck storyline was was weird and creepy. I loved Ben Affleck in it, but yeah, I don't really remember too much about his storyline. So so in the end, during the date the dating show thing, um he gets arrested because uh a woman he had sex with, and they, they introduced this character early on where she was doing a, a study where she was having sex with different men. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I remember uh, Brody and um, the other main character of the story, they were laughing about it with her. Not laughing about it, but talking about it with her. And she's underage. So uh, mm-hmm. the last ditch effort to save the plot, uh, police arrest Ben Affleck. And he makes a joke like, come on, guys, look at her. Would you, would you think she's 17 too? And then just gets carried away. And I'm like, that's an uncomfortable joke even for the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just feel like I, I like Ben Affleck as the villain in this film, but the, his downfall is kind of like, yeah, that's 
that's creep factor uh, level thousand. Well, he was supposed to have that kind of creep factor going throughout the entire thing, and he kind of even holds that creep factor throughout the rest of Kevin Smith's movies as well when he's playing that character. Because he's played two or three different characters in all the Kevin Smith films, I think. Yeah. And same with Jason Lee. He's played a couple characters. I want to say he... The character in Mallrats and Chasing Amy is the same character for Jason Lee. And then he plays a different character in Clerks I don't, 2. I don't, I don't think he's the same character in, in Chasing Amy. I think he's a wholly different. I think he's a totally different guy. Is he a different person in Chasing Amy? I think he is. I think he is. Because I know the Mallrats version is the same one that's in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. At the very least, the Mallrats version guy, he, the Mallrats Jason Lee, he is in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I remember reading that, but it's not the same. In Chasing uh, Amy? Yeah, in Chasing Amy, he's Banky Edwards. He's not uh, Brody. Okay. Banky, why does. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the whole thing revolved around him with the Jay and Silent Bob comic, and Banky was one of the people that owned it or something like that. Mallrats takes place a day before Clerks. Does it? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Uh, chronologically, uh, Clerks, although chrono- uh, Mallrats takes place a day before Clerks, yeah, in the, okay. in the Viewisk universe. So what's the official timeline for the Viewisk universe? Because I never thought about that. Like, I know it ends with Jay and Silent Bob strike back. So Jay and Silent Bob and Walt Flanagan's dog, Mallrats, Clerks, Clerks the Animated Series, The Flying Car, Clerks with a period, so I guess that's the what is that? The comic? That's the comic book. Okay. Chasing Dogma, Dogma. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Some of those have to be like little mini shorts or uh, comic books. Yeah, Chasing dude. Dogma, I think, was a comic book. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, chasing a okay. Clerks, Chasing Amy, Chasing Dogma, Dogma. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Brutland and Chronic. Where's the beef? Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Okay. Yeah. With Mall Rats preceding all of that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jersey Girl isn't a part of the it's View not. Askew. That's a little too sappy and emotional to be part of View Askew. Yeah. View Askew is a skew. I'm just saying <laughs> Cop Out isn't a part of View Askew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I never watched that film, never will. Oh, it's not good. The security guard, he he is a highlight of this film, though, Mall Rats. I remember the security guard. Oh, Michael guard. Rooker is great in everything that he's in. He's not a security guard. Michael Rooker is the uh, oh, girlfriend's father. Right. Security guard is somebody else, but he always has that mean look on his face, and he's intense. Um, yeah, that's, that's that that was played well by him. The, the ending is so brutal, though. Like, like you know the, the finale where it has the end montage? Um, so, I guess, so, um... The two foils to the main characters, mm-hmm. uh, Claire Fellaini and Jeremy London's characters. So T.S. and Brandy, they get married at Universal Studios. Uh, who's Trisha? Trisha, I think, is the underage girl that tricked. Um, oh, that, the that, one that was doing the sex experiment. With- yeah, she. Her book becomes a bestseller. Ben Affleck is in prison and raped. Yes. <laughs> uh, the dude who's who looks at the painting eventually sees the sailboat. Yeah, Ethan Suppley's character. He goes like, oh, I see it now. I remember that. Brody becomes the host of The Tonight Show. And his girlfriend becomes his band leader. 
Yeah, I don't I don't understand that shit. That's it random. It was basically mocking the whole like uh right, right. here's where they are now after the movie. And it, you can tell that they're kind of just going for a complete joke of just, you know, so and so is in prison now. So and so became a talk show host. This guy finally saw the picture in the painting. Right. Jay and Silent Bob get a chimpanzee named Susan. Suzanne. Which was the lead in into Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's a great movie. That's such a great dumb movie. It is. All right, so what, what's your bones to pick with Mallrats, man? I think this was a sophomore slump in compared to Kirk's. Uh, for me, the biggest like downside of it is pretty much that the plot doesn't go anywhere. It's just a bunch of mini jokes kind of leading to the next joke. I think and that's what the, I meant to the, say. No underlying kind of plot. There's no reason for everything that's happening. It's just mini joke, mini joke, mini joke, mini. If you took the jokes and kind of swapped the order, it wouldn't change anything in the movie. It wouldn't. I think that's where I'm going with it. I think it being said in the mall is not the bad thing about it. It's that it's in the mall and it's a bunch of jokes leading to nowhere. Yeah. So that kind of makes me think like, okay. Like there is like the underlying plot, but it, even the like relationship plot is underneath the mall plot, which the mall plot is just joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And they don't really tie into each other at all. Uh, like, Kevin Smith is great at dialogue. 100%. Dialogue in this movie is top-notch. I absolutely love the way the characters talk with each other and everything because it comes off as realistic again. None okay. of it comes off as, like, cartoonish. Well, some of it comes off a little cartoonish, like the whole pretzel gag and everything like that. But for the most part, it's all actual conversation you can see people having, especially like when they're looking at the picture with the boat and just, hey, what are you doing? There's there's a hidden picture in this picture. And if you stare long enough, you'll be able to see it. Oh, hey, it's a boat. And just watching Ethan Suppley's character get just angry whenever anybody notices it and he still can. <laughs> it's like right. it, it's nice little jokes like that that keep the movie going but at the same time that's all the movie is is small little jokes there's jokes that build up to a crescendo as well like you know that baby's on the escalator oh that's the best that baby's still on the escalator that baby fell off the escalator you know like that's funny Okay, so I, I found no, it. No, it wasn't the baby fell off the escalator. It was, you could see uh, people screaming and a, one of the security guards running by and then uh, Jason Lee's character just goes, I told you about that baby on the escalator. <laughs> Something was going to happen. Oh, yeah, the baby fell, man. I think that's pretty pretty, pretty implied. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I finally found it. Uh, sticking your hand down your pants and wiping your ass. Uh, so that's what he did. And then he put his hands in the pretzels. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it's just shit. It's lightly shit-stained pretzels. Right. Okay. There it is. <laughs> yeah, he didn't just shit directly on the pretzels. Right. No, I didn't. Th I didn't think that happened. No, no, no. I didn't think that happened. It was something similar to that. Um, it's basically like cupping a fart onto the pretzels. Basically, I want to stop talking about this. <laughs> uh, uh, listen. Um, Should have had a bowl of chocolate pretzels in the studio with us while we did this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we should have. I think compared to Clerks, man, it's it's a it's a little bit of a fail. It's a downfall from Clerks, that's for sure. Definitely, and I know Kevin Smith apologized for it. You don't need to apologize for this. Like it, it deserves its place where it is. You know, oh, yeah. it's 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 one of those, you know, what I mean, Batman versus Superman movies. You know, like you you appreciate that they made it, but as far as great DC films go, it's like okay, we're gonna put that a little bit, you know, towards the back yeah, burner, it, towards the wall. Like it's. <laughs> 
I can say I enjoy the movie. I right, can see right. where people have an issue with the movie, and I can see where people absolutely love the movie. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I couldn't tell you much of the plot of this movie, but I could probably go piece by piece on every joke throughout the entire movie. And, yeah, that kind of goes back to my argument of what's wrong with the movie. I don't remember the plot of the movie really at all. Like, I watched it a couple months back, and that's how I kind of have a vague memory of it. But even back then, I was watching the movie and kind of going, oh, yeah, I forgot about well, this part well, and this part. And well, well, Clerks doesn't really have a plot either, but I think what makes Clerks different is that it was like the arrival of a new type of voice. Yeah, well, know. Clerks wasn't a transition joke to joke. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. watching these people in their daily life kind of thing. Like, it was following somebody into a store and recording them without them knowing kind of thing. It had, like, the same effect as... Uh, Bo Burnham's eighth grade, if you ever saw that one. Mm. Where it's not so much people are saying something and that what is what makes it funny. It's the relatability of it all that makes it funny or cringy or whatever you kind of feel from it. It doesn't feel like it was scripted. It's just people living their lives. You know what makes that film authentic? To this day, I still think um, Homegirl herself wrote that film. I don't think Bo Burnham wrote that film. I think Ellie Fisher wrote that film. It it was written by Bo Burnham because I remember. I know it was. I'm I'm joking. I'm joking because he has such. He 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 taps into like the 15 year old mindset. Oh yeah. Was she 11? I don't know. Uh, One of those grades. She was middle school going into high school. Yeah. So I want to say. 1415 okay yeah yeah he taps into that mindset really oh, well yeah. well a lot of the parts of that movie she like uh adapted into the screenplay herself like what is the gucci she constantly gucci. says that throughout and i remember if you actually listen to uh some of the interviews and stuff with bo burnham like after the movie released or the q a things that people recorded on their phones that the video is horrible but the audio somehow is perfect Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah uh there were several times she would say that on set and i had no idea what it meant so eventually i was just like just say it on camera now you know (laughs) this is you we're gonna put this into the movie now and she was embarrassed by the fact that they put that into the movie i low-key thought she had made i low-key thought that was written in the script like gucci i'm like yeah gucci yeah, no, that was one of the parts that like wasn't scripted at all. It was just something that she would say and everything like that. And mm. so they just added it to her character because it was more realistic that way. And Clerks kind of has that kind of same tone of it, nothing felt scripted. It just all felt like somebody was watching somebody go through their day working in a retail store. I mean, Mallrats Mallrat, is scripted. Mallrats doesn't feel scripted. It just feels like a bunch of vig- vignette, vignettes that doesn't add up to anything. I want to say that. Okay. I can see that. I still feel like it doesn't the, feel scripted the, at all. The dialogue still feels natural. Or it feels scripted, I mean. For, for, for a Kevin Smith film. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think we differ on that. I think it, it still feels like well, look, the transition of the film feels scripted. It just doesn't it doesn't feel as natural as Clerks was. Like the like it, the dialogue is natural. It's just that the, the transition, dialogue does feel natural, but yeah, 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 the transition joke to joke and everything like that. It all feels so scripted out that it doesn't feel like all this would be happening at the mall in the same like span of two hours. Yeah. Mm. 
Like I've gone to the mall before and I don't see even a single like ounce of anything like that. Like when I went to the mall with friends, it was nothing like that movie. Uh, well, I think certain malls, if you stick around, you can see some pretty weird shit. Oh, yeah. You uh, see some weird stuff. You know, like, on. yeah, like I, my mall is a place where I go in and I go out. Oh, yeah. I, I, I worked in a mall for a little bit, so I know some of the craziness that happens. But I, the craziness happens usually behind the scenes, not stuff that people really see. You kind of mm-hmm. just hear about, oh, yeah, somebody uh, fell into the fountain naked. And you're just like, when did that happen? Last Tuesday. It's like, oh, okay. I remember there was a huge flood in the mall. It's a great viral video. There was a huge flood in the mall, and the band started playing a Titanic song. Yes. Yeah. That's epic. Oh, I remember seeing that one. Uh, Because isn't there like a janitor? He walks up with a bucket and a mop. He starts mopping it up. And it's like still flooding in faster than And then he just takes a bow like he did something. (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone starts laughing. See, those are great moments I want to experience in a mall. So, yeah, those kind of moments do happen. But with mall rats, it's like there's something crazy happening to every single person in that mall. There's something going on. Uh, I will say I absolutely love the scene with Stan Lee because mm-hmm. it's a nice, like, inspirational talk. And it's the first time, like, seeing Stan Lee on film aside from I think the only other time that I remember seeing him in something prior to that was uh, in the Hulk TV show. When he was one of the uh, jurors in the court case episode. Okay. Um, so kind of seeing him like in person, not doing an interview, but doing like an acting kind of thing was nice for that. Didn't he go up to old boy afterwards and say, all right, that'll be 20 bucks. Or yeah. Like, or like, I, I just made that up, you know, just to make him happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, none of that was real. I just made that all up. Right, right, right. All right, man. So where do we where do we put this at, man? Uh, first great independent film versus ambitious but flawed sophomore slump. I would say so. It it, it was a flawed kind of sequel, but one that I can understand why it's a cult classic today still, and why people want a sequel for it, and why we are eventually getting a sequel. We don't need a Mallrats two, man. Come on, man. We don't we don't need a Mallrats two. We don't need a Biodome two. We don't need a sequel to a lot of things that we're getting. <laughs> we no, we we don't actually. We needed a Dumb and Dumber sequel, but then that happened, and you know that that was what it was. Oh, even that. We're not, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> well, which sequel are you talking about? Now, look, I like the prequel. The prequel was nice. The prequel was funny to oh, me. See, I didn't like the prequel. Really? Yeah. I thought I the prequel. A fan. I thought the prequel did its job. I thought it was, you know, Bob Saget shut all over the walls. Yeah. It had its funny moments, but overall, it it wasn't one of the... Like, you can always find, like, a moment or two in a movie, and I don't go, well, that means the movie was good. If the overall... Sometimes that works, man. Sometimes it works. But I thought it had multiple funny moments. You you telling me you thought Dumb and Dumber 2 was better than Dumb and Dumberer? Okay, I won't go that far. <laughs> okay, all right, so you know what I'm saying here. But at the same time, I didn't really enjoy Dumb and Dumber. Like, right, it, watching enough. Dumb and Dumber... To Dumb and Dumber, it was like, ah, this isn't this isn't right. This didn't need to happen. And then Dumb and Dumber Two, it was like, oh, why'd you do this? Why would you soil but, something but I, so? But we fantastic? were excited though. We were excited. Well, it was the same thing as uh, Zoolander Two. People were excited for that because yep. the first one was such a hit. But I heard that. Well, I I, I, heard, I hear mixed reviews. Some people say it was funny. Some people say it wasn't. It wasn't. 
It, okay. Uh, some people stand by Anchorman 2. Some people don't. Anchorman 2, if you cut out the whole subplot of him going blind and getting like a pet <laughs> shark and everything like that, Anchorman 2 is a good movie. If you cut out that just large segment of 30 right. minutes that makes no sense and has no connection to the rest of the movie. <laughs> Because the whole, like, mocking how, like, news changed and everything like that, I love right. it. It's <laughs> great. It's the perfect, like, tone from Anchorman to a sequel. But then that whole subplot happens, and you're just like, what the hell is this movie? No. And then they go back to the news stuff, and you're like, what was that all about? Why would you do that? That's Will Ferrellness, man. Will Ferrellness, man. Yeah. Um, okay, man. Well, you know, we basically capped it off. You want to spend a few minutes talking about what we've seen lately? Uh, actually, with, uh, obviously, Jane Silent Reboot is now on Blu-ray DVD. You just saw that? No, I actually saw it when it, uh, screened here in Detroit. Okay. Uh, but that one is one that people can kind of actually see now, because before, it didn't have a large theatrical release. Mm -hmm, It just mm -hmm. had, like, the Fathom events, which only plays at select theaters, and then he toured with it. Now you can actually pick it up on like digital like from google play Store right, and stuff right. like that uh but so anybody that's a huge kevin smith fan i highly recommend checking that one out mm-hmm. now that you can going back uh, to his roots it's it's very kevin smith if you're not a kevin smith fan you're gonna watch this movie and you're not gonna enjoy no, it. hold on now there's different levels to kevin smith so you gotta you gotta you gotta break that down for folks is this it, view is this view excuse Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, or is this uh, Tusk, Red State, Kevin Smith? This is View Askew, Kevin Smith. Okay, it's everything go. in the movie is referential. Okay, okay. So everything is kind of going, oh, hey, I recognize that person. They were in this other movie by Kevin Smith. Or, I recognize that. This is tying into this whole thing from Kevin Smith. That's what the movie is. It's basically a lot of, oh, hey, I remember that. And for Kevin Smith fans, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a carbon copy of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Okay. And it's a reboot. It is. It's Jay and Silent Stop. Jay and Silent Bob reboot, obviously. Take a it's, breath. It's a sequel, <laughs> reboot, and remake all in one while making fun of all three at the same time, you know? Fair enough. So it's a very self referential movie. If. You're not a fan of Kevin Smith's you know, view askew stuff, or if you didn't care for any of that, you're not going to enjoy the movie. Okay, movies and theaters now. You recommend to the to the folks listening at home, work or whatever. Uh, 1917. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I can't recommend that movie enough. I I'm excited for that movie to come out on Blu-ray so I can watch it in my theater room with the full. Because I'm sad oh, that man. it's no longer in Dolby and like IMAX and everything. Listen, man, I don't. I don't. I don't really believe in the Oscars that much as a popularity contest. But if we're if we if we talking about fairness, okay, uh, I'm not mad at Parasite winning Best Picture, Best mm. Director over Sam Mendes. That one, yeah, because Parasite is a great movie. It is, and it, Bong Joon Ho is a great filmmaker. Oh yeah. But 1917 was that one, man. Seven. The fact that it's all filmed as if it was like a one shot. Yeah, like Birdman. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love that movie so much, and it's every time I watch the Oscars, I well, I don't really watch the Oscars. I watch the like feed afterwards of like who won what. Yeah, I look like, at who won. I don't watch it. Yeah, I'll watch the clips of like the director right. doing his speech and stuff like that, but I don't actually watch the Oscars. And 
for this year, I kind of looked at the best picture and I was like, oh man, I could make a good argument for three of those winning. And I don't feel bad that Parasite won at all. Like this is, yeah. it, it was between Parasite 1917 and uh, what was, I'm trying to remember what else was nominated, but there was a third one that I looked at the list and went, if any of these three won, I'd was be it happy. Marriage Story or was it Irishman? Because they both got Irishman. nominated. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mar- Marty keeps getting snubbed, man. Uh, he does, but, but we all know who the king is. We know what it, we know what time it is. I, every single time he comes out with a movie, I'm gonna watch it. Right, but at right. the same time, yeah, he's not gonna win the Oscars because most people he makes a three hour movie. Yeah, most yeah. people voting for the Oscars aren't gonna sit through a three hour movie. Well, what, what do you say about the 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 phenomenon of Titanic? That's a long movie. Long movies win. Dances with Wolves is long. Yeah. But those are also movies that hit theaters. Uh, they hit theaters. They're period pieces. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, it's a popularity contest. But oh, fair 100%. enough. Fair enough. But yeah, 1917, I would definitely recommend people check out that's still in theaters. I don't think Parasite's in theaters anymore. Mm. Or no, it's doing a victory lap now. It is. It's in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Best Picture films always come back. But if you want a chance to catch a movie that was snubbed, for best actor, best director, I say best screenplay. Uh, check out Uncut Gems, dude. The, the Adam Sandler one. Yeah, I still have to watch that one. Oh man, that's his. It's, uh... it's on my list. And here's the thing, and we got to talk about this in future episodes. People's like, oh, well, Adam can act. Well, he's always he he always could act. I mean, yeah. taking beyond punch drunk love, you know, even when he does his comedic roles, he's tapping into like a, you know, comedians are actors mm-hmm. on screen. Jim Carrey was always a great actor in Liar Liar and The Mask. We just noticed him for the funny. But when he got the seriousness, serious roles, oh, wait, Jim Carrey can actually act. He, uh, he was Eternal, always. Uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yeah. That was the first Jim Carrey movie that I saw that where he wasn't Jim Carrey. With me, it was Truman Show. And then it was Man on the Moon. See, I thought Truman Show was still kind of goofy Jim Carrey. I thought that was more of a serious Jim. Like, it started out goofy, but as you unravel and figure out, dude, this guy's I whole life I think maybe because being... it was a transition. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind is just pure, yeah, that starts serious off, Jim Carrey. That starts off dramatic. Yeah. But the, the point of the matter is, you know, Adam always had the juice. He just, you know, it's his choice if he wants to go serious or not because, you know, he's got that kind of money. Um, but it does great in Uncut Gems. Dude, I want you to see that movie, man. It, it, I'm it's like the third it. time I don't had to remind you to see Uncut Gems. The problem is it's not in any of the good theaters anymore. You know the theaters we have around here where the Come seats on, are we from got, the 70s and we, the theater opened in the 80s. We got you know? the means to watch stuff. You know, I ain't going to say this live, but come on now. <laughs> you, you know what time it is, man. Come I on. have a... You know, $4,000 theater room at home. I'm not going to watch a DVD <laughs> copy of the movie. Right, right. I'm going to wait until I can pick up the Blu-ray or 4K if it comes out on that. Fair and enough. And watch it. Fair enough. Uh, if I'm going to watch an amazing movie, I'm going to watch it right. I'm not going to do the guy recording it on his cell phone. Oh, no, no, no. no don't, don't, don't settle for that. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you might know somebody in the SAG. You know, you could borrow a screener, but hey, man, you got that uncut gems. Let me borrow that to watch that for a minute. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think AMC brought it back for a minute, didn't they? I, I want to say they did, but at the same time, they brought it back to their, like, uh, theaters with, like, more than 30 screens, and they mm-hmm. threw it in, like, the back kind of, like, theater where the seats have cigarette burns in them still kind of thing. You know, I'm just I, I had to go to AMC Fairlane recently. Um, no, actually, to see Uncut Gems, I had to go to AMC Fairlane because mm-hmm. it was like the only like 
like small window I had to see it and I didn't want to go there but I'm like you know what man you just go in and watch a movie then you leave and it wasn't bad it was nostalgic but yeah it, it, it was still a piece of sh- yeah yeah it's one of the things like the theater at Great Lakes Crossing it still has some terrible seats in it even in their IMAX you know kind of wow because i almost went there but i love the way it looks this is michigan talk for anybody listening outside of michigan i'm sure that there's other theaters everywhere that right right issues um the thing i love about great lakes is that it's in a mall though like you go you walk through the mall and then you see the i because i recently just went to great lakes for the first time really for the first time for the first time my girlfriend told me about like let's go to great lakes crossing we went out there and i was like wow and the theater's right there. You walk up to yeah. it. And she's like, yeah. Like, she's not she's not amazed. She's like, yeah, like, it's right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Great Lakes Crossing. What are you freaking out about? <laughs> right, right, right. This is how it always was. This used to be a, oh, what was it before AMC bought it? It wasn't like an MJR big uh, kind of name. It was like a almost like local theater. Okay. You know what they need to bring back? And this is for the people who didn't get to catch movies the first go around. The dollar shows. Yes. I always remember those those being connected to bowling alleys for some reason. Yeah. And the one in the Universal Mall used to be a dollar show. But now it's the first one, MJR Theater. Still looks nice. But I miss those, man. Those were great, man. It's for people like you. I remember seeing a lot of movies that way as a kid because that was an easy way to go as the family is five bucks for a movie and popcorn for the family is not even that man five bucks for five movies yeah you want to see uncut gems parasite 1917 they're all then they're not at the movies anymore you go there see it for three bucks yeah yeah but it's a consumer it's a consumer market you know all about yeah it's consumerism now uh that's a dark note to end on let's 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 make a quip and then let's get out of here uh obviously go Everything that was nominated this year, watch. Irishman, Uncut Gems, 1917, Parasite. If you haven't seen those movies, watch them. I can't say anything on Marriage Story because I haven't seen that one. Good movie. Scar Joe Scar Joe and Adam Driver do good. Noah Baumbach, great filmmaker. Yeah. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I'd say check out all five then. I still have to watch Marriage Story and Uncut Gems. I still gotta watch Little Women. But I I don't I only watch that for Florence Pugh. That's my that's my girlfriend. That's my cinematic girlfriend. <laughs> I like Florence Pugh. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. I it, think that's a good ending point. Yeah, there it is. All right. Uh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Snoogans. Snoogans. <laughs>